team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, it's, I think, barring something major, this is the last show we're going to do in 2019, man. It's uh, it's the end of the year. Pretty crazy year it's been, though, right? Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride this season with the Tiger Cats and, and the podcast. But uh, I think, you know, we it didn't finish the way we wanted it to. But overall, it's been, uh, it's been a great podcast season talking Tiger Cats football. After having some time away from the CFL with the season ending, are you are you a little less upset about how things ended a few weeks ago? Yeah, after I got over the Grey Cup fever and um, you know I had some time to think, reflect, you might say. Um, I believe I'm finally over the Ticats losing the Grey Cup. Uh, I don't feel that you know pit in my stomach. Uh, anymore so it's time to move on and uh, start thinking about next season and uh, how we're going to get back to the Grey Cup again. Yeah I saw your tweet about after a few weeks I think I'm finally able to watch football again and I was going to be a real a-hole and be like dude Mm -hmm. like as soon as the cup was over I switched over to the Packers and Niners game like I was (laughs) I was right ready to like I was ready to just wash that game out of my mouth and it's it's just you know I happen to be lucky this year in that the Ticats were really good so we got a lot of good football in the summer and you know, the 49ers are the team that I've cheered for in the NFL since, I mean, I might have been a 49ers fan before I was a Ticats fan, quite frankly. I think I think the NFL might have been my my sort of, like, hand-holding moment with my uncle and my dad. I think I think it was watching a Dolphins-Niners game at my uncle's house that kind of got me into football. And so I, I might even be an NFL fan ahead of my CFL fandom, but I'm obviously a Ticats fan above a 49ers fan. But the Niners are kicking ass this year, so it's uh, – it, it was really easy to kind of just switch over. And at the time, I think they were winning like 21 to three or something in that game. So I was like, oh, well, this is a nice palate cleanser for the, the crappy Grey Cup we just watched. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have an NFL team to switch over to. So my fandom uh, ends with the CFL team, but I do enjoy watching the NFL, obviously. So, yeah, after after a couple weeks, I think it's it's time to – um, you know, watch some NFL football, and then in January, I think the XFL starts. So there's plenty of football to be watched, and uh, I'm sure I will consume uh, a lot of it. Do you watch any American college football? I do when it's on. You know, if I'm if I'm not working on a Saturday, I'll I'll tune in um, just to randomly watch whatever's on. But yeah, there's no no pulling. There's no interest there either for a, a certain team, but. You know, American college football is really fun to watch, if you get a good game, of course. You excited about the upcoming playoff? Yes, I love that. I'm glad that they got rid of the 
<clears throat> you know, whatever it was, it was voting system or whatever, just to choose the championship game, the uh, the playoffs make it a lot more interesting. Um, I'm not sure about all the bowl games, but uh, I'm sure they mean something to the teams participating in them. But there's so many that it's hard to, you know, gather which ones are important and which ones aren't. Yeah, it's. I think it's just a fun way for teams to end the season, and, yeah. and I'm I'm with you with the playoff. I've I've enjoyed it ever since they implemented it. I didn't hate the picking the the top two teams some years. Like one of one of my favorite football games of all time is the USC Texas Rose Bowl for the national championship. But that was one of those rare years where it was these were the two best teams in the country. So it was like there's no doubt that these two teams should be playing for the championship. Other years there'd be like two or three or four one loss teams and like one undefeated team. And then it's like, you're splitting hairs at least here with four teams. I know people want to expand it to eight, but at least here with, with four teams, it's like, especially with how everything kind of shook out at the end, you got three undefeated teams and a one loss Oklahoma squad. I don't know, man, Oklahoma is pretty fun to watch. I don't know. I don't know how much attention you've been paying, but LSU's lighting up the scoreboard for the first time in like ever. Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun, uh, fun couple days late December, early January, watching some college football. But we do have some residual Grey Cup gripes, I guess, to get through. The two of us do. Uh, so, sort of some some things that we we failed to touch on when we talked about the game on the last show. I think it was just – I think we wanted to just get out sort of the Ticats-ness of it all. And, and the thing you want to talk about is honestly something that com- I completely forgot about. Um, so I'm just going to give you the floor and let, let you kind of rant on this. You want to talk about Keith Urban. So let, let's do it. Well, I was at work the other, the other day and, uh, I just started thinking about that Keith Urban in the booth after the, in the third quarter of the great cup game. And it got me really upset. Like I just got really mad. Um, just thinking about it. I think it's just so disrespectful to the to the players on the field, the coaches, anyone involved with the team, disrespectful to the fans that are tuning into the game, to have the halftime act who has no idea what he's talking about when it, when it comes to the CFL, to have him in the booth during the game for an extended period of time is is a disgrace. You wouldn't see that in the Super Bowl game. You wouldn't see it in a Stanley Cup final game or, or an NBA final game or name any other league you can imagine. This would never happen except for in the CFL where apparently it's a good idea to promote country music over the championship game. The whole thing is disgusting in my eyes. There's no excuse for it. I don't care that it was 24-6, okay? It could have been 105 to nothing. You concentrate on the game. If it's important to TSN, they should have just left Keith Urban out of the booth. It was a disgrace. Well, like, what do you think about what happened here? And it was just bad television, to be honest. I mean, we talked about it earlier. They actually asked him to describe what was going on. They gave him play-by-play duties during the Grey Cup game. It, it really bothers me. Uh, and uh, there's no excuse for it in my eyes. It was embarrassing. It was, mm-hmm. it's funny, you mentioned you were at work. Same thing happened to me. Uh, I ran into a coworker at work. First time I'd seen him since the Grey Cup. It was actually the day, either the day before or the day of, you sent out your tweet being ticked off about this. We literally had a conversation. I was coming out of uh, out of the back room at work and, and he uh, he stopped me. He's like, what do you think about, like, I was like, oh, we haven't had a chance to talk since the Grey Cup. 
And I was like, yeah, you know, it sucks. Blah, blah, blah. And then it was, he was like, yeah, what do you think about the Keith Urban thing? And I thought he was talking about the halftime show. And I was like, you know what? I didn't really see it. My friends brought their kid over. Him and I kind of scurried off and played around during halftime. And in the middle of me talking about this, it clicked. And I was like, oh, my God, you're talking about when he was in the booth. And we both kind of came to an agreement that it was absolutely embarrassing. And I hate to use this phrase when discussing the CFL because of how much I love it. Bush League. And you mentioned it. You would never see this. You don't see this at at during the games of regular season. Any other league? Like they don't like maybe maybe some local like NHL affiliates will do this. Like if you're watching like the Arizona Coyotes and they have some big act there for something, they might bring them in the booth. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning right. like used to have like Hulk Hogan come in the booth when he was like hyping them up. But you'd never see it during a playoff game, and especially. You would never see it during the championship game. Could you imagine if this upcoming Super Bowl in the third quarter they gave, you know, ten minutes of, of booth time to be or not Beyonce, to Jennifer Lopez and Shakira? Like it would never, ever, ever happen. And for the CFL to do this for TSN, and I don't know if it was the CFL, so we can't really blame Lee. It's TSN, I think, that blame, that takes the brunt of the blame here. To put this out there during the third quarter of, sure, it might have been a bit of a blowout, but like we were talking about it last week. If Mike Jones makes that catch, I believe the score was, was similar to what it was at this point. If Mike Jones makes that catch and the Ticats get get the end zone, like, I mean, we all, all we always hear like, no lead is safe. You can, you can get three or four possessions after the three-minute warning and anything can happen. I think we all agree, you and I especially, that, we knew it by this point, the Bombers had won the game and that's fine. That still does not excuse what was, as you said, bad television. There was a point there. Like you said, when they do the play by play, they ask him to describe what you're seeing and it's dead air during the gray cup. It's, it's irresponsible. Like Keith Urban's a huge star. You know, who's a bigger star than Keith Urban, Tom Hanks. And during the 2013 Grey Cup, which was also a blowout, they didn't bring Martin Short and Tom Hanks into the booth and say, hey, guys, here's five minutes airtime. Let's talk about what's going on. It, it's just it's just something you don't do. It was absolutely atrocious. And I think I was just as offended as a television watcher in this boring, mundane, pointless, quote-unquote, commentary that was going on when Urban was in the booth as much as I am – like that they would actually have the like gall to, to do something like this. It was just, it, to me, it's just a bad look all around. Yeah. And I saw some excuses out there like, Oh, this is a chance for, you know, the, the casual fans to learn about the game. What'd they learn? Did you learn? Did you learn anything from that? I mean, I know you didn't, or I didn't learn anything cause we know, but there was no teaching lessons during this, this awkward interview. Um, uh, Glenn Suter actually liked that tweet. So obviously he thought that there was many lessons given out during this uh, enthralling interview they had with Keith Urban. And I don't remember them ever having anyone else at the halftime act in the booth, like Shania Twain or, you know, equally as big of stars, um, you know. And so that made, you know, leads me to believe that this was Glenn Suter's pulling the strings, you know, trying to get his I, little. Yep interview with his his uh you know country star hero that he you know he, he never shuts up about how how much he loves country music so this would lead me to believe that he was behind this and if he was 
and he obviously loves country music more than he does the CFL. I've never had a problem with Glenn Suter, okay? His his commentary is all right. Um, I think that he, you know, I've listened to his radio interviews. I think he's a good representative for the CFL. He obviously loves the league, but, you know, obviously he loves country music more. So maybe he should get his own country show yes. and... If the idea play by player a color analyst anymore. If the idea is to get more eyeballs during the game, then why was Justin Bieber not in the booth during the twenty twelve Grey Cup? Justin right. Bieber at that point was one of the biggest stars in the world. Like legitimately you he, he was probably one of the top five most famous people on the planet at that time. I mean, I was at the game, so I don't know, but I don't recall anyone talking about how Justin Bieber got seven minutes of airtime in the booth to Talk about, and I am I I would hazard a guess, and this is this is strictly a guess. And this is just because Justin Bieber's a North American and Keith Urban's an Australian. Justin Bieber probably knows more about football than Keith Urban does, and that's not a knock at Keith Urban. Keith Urban's from a place where they don't play football. Like he mm-hmm. does, he admitted himself. This is the first time I've ever seen a game. Like now, I don't know if he was talking strictly CFL or if he meant like a football game in general. But and and again, this is not it's not his fault. Like I'm sure Keith Urban was like, I want to be in the booth. Like. He wasn't fawning over this. I, th- I think you're right. And again, it's conjecture on our part. But I mean, with the way that Glenn Suter was like, ju- like when they showed the camera shot of the booth and his, he was like doughy eyed looking at him like he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm this close to Keith Urban. It it, it felt like, I don't know, man, it just felt wrong. Like, it's just <laughs> not during the great. You want to do this? Like, I, I have my issues with them bringing ex-players into the booth during regular season games. So I don't like when that happens because I think it takes away from the game because they're talking about stories and then a big play happens and they don't know how to react. Like, I don't like mm-hmm. that at all. Uh, so this is this to me is even worse. Oh, yeah, by, by a large margin. I, I don't like it either. You know, even, you know, they bring in old players and, and you know, they know the game, obviously. But even then, it's kind of, you know, it's just call the damn game. You're you taking know, away from the product on the field. And I think that that's yeah, the last the thing that should be happening, especially yeah, so in a Grey Cup. In closing, it was a stupid idea. I would love, I would absolutely love to have Glenn Suter on here just to talk about. And I would just want to hear, you know, I, I doubt he does. And I doubt we'll even pursue it. But I, anyone else, I would love them to <laughs> ask him the question, um, why was this a good idea? I just want to know what he was thinking. Because... To me, it was just uh, it was just him getting off, you know, being around a country music star, and and to me, that's unacceptable. You put the you put your interest in front of the game, and uh, I don't know for sure that it was his idea, but I, you know, have a pretty good idea that uh, he had something to do with it. So um, I think we've complained about this long enough, so we can probably move on. But don't ever effing do that again during the Grey <laughs> Cup. It's a championship game. God, have some respect, Jesus H. This is anyway, the most. Sorry. This is the most fired up I've ever heard you about something before. Usually, you're. Yeah. We're usually pretty calm on here, and and if, if 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 anything, I'm the one that gets all amped up. You're usually like, no, it's okay. You're kind of even keel, but this one, this this guy, you hot yeah. man. And there, there was someone on Twitter like, you know, going after me because uh, I'm not complaining about the Ticats performance. I've done that. Okay, I've agreed. <laughs> we did a whole show about that. Yeah. Okay, I'm not allowed to be offended about two things. Like, get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> My God. Anyway, we spent we spent yeah. 40 minutes 
talking about how we were disappointed in the Ticats. Yeah, exactly. What am I supposed to do? You know? You just bitch about it for the rest of your life? Like, you you, you can't move on and, and, like, you can't be simultaneously angry about two things. I'm about to tell you something that pissed me off about the Grey Cup that had nothing to do with the Ticats. So it's like, we can't, you can be angry about more than one thing at once. We're multifaceted human beings. It doesn't take away from my Ticat fandom that I'm pissed off about something else. Yeah. You know, it's me as a CFL fan voicing my um, frustrations. Because I thought it was, like I've said this a million times, but I thought it was just totally disrespectful. So, All right. Let's talk about Andrew Harris because there was this and is this narrative going around that because Andrew Harris led Winnipeg to a championship because he was the first ever player to be named Grey Cup MVP and, and most valuable Canadian, that this somehow absolves him of the PED suspension from earlier in the year and how this this – you know, clears his name essentially, or, or or makes it so that oh, that's just people hating on Andrew Harris. And I wanted to bring this up when we recorded after the Grey Cup, but I thought better of the time. I figured, well, let's you know, let let time sort of see how I feel about this. And then just today, if you record this on Tuesday, I saw a news story about how Andrew Harris was disqualified from being up for the Lou Marsh Award, which is, if anyone doesn't know, is Canada's top athlete given out annually i think it was was it the uh, bianca the tennis player that won it this year i think yeah apparently unanimous unanimously yeah i i, I heard chubba hubbard didn't get a lot of love and i kind of wish he did i don't know we talked about college football earlier that that kid at, i think he i think he's from bc or maybe from alberta i can't remember where he's from he's somewhere out west just absolutely crushing it down at oklahoma state so i kind of wish he yeah. had gotten more like i mean giving it to the first canadian to win a major like a tennis major, like that makes sense. I, you, you, she was a very deserving Bianca Andrescu, I think that's her name. Very deserving yeah. of, of of being a unanimous selection. But Andrew Harris wasn't up for the award uh, because of the PED suspension. And there's been kind of this like shift in like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Why why are we talking about this still? And why, why is anyone bringing it up? And there was there was a back and forth between uh, Hamilton's long snapper Aaron Crawford and like Andrew Harris's wife. Aaron Crawford took exception to some letter that was printed in a Winnipeg newspaper comparing Harris with Simone Lawrence and how what Simone did was so much worse than what Harris did. And, you know, the same BS we've been hearing since all of this went down. Uh, and then I guess Aaron Crawford and, and Andrew Harris's wife got into it a little bit on, on Twitter. And I thought it was a pretty good back and forth. And I, maybe we're, I'm biased, but I thought Aaron Crawford got the best of her in everything he was saying. She said something like, oh, I, you should concentrate more on winning Grey Cups. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already back in training mode trying to try and do that for next year, but I'll, I'll do it clean. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully your, your husband will do the same stuff like that. I, I, you know, good for uh, Aaron Crawford for standing up for all this. And I just don't like this idea that now all of a sudden we kind of, we can forgive Andrew Harris for, for getting busted. And, and I'm not saying he has to be suspended for life or that, you know, this is like, it's the only thing we should remember about him, but the idea that this won't taint him for the remainder of his career, I think is, is ridiculous. I think it's homerish on, on bombers fans parts on, on the, like on the side of bombers fans to, to think that, that all of a sudden, Oh, we won a great cup and, and that's it. And, and Andrew Harris kind of feeds into this talking about haters and doubters and all that. It's like, no one ever doubted. Well, I mean, you doubted Andrew, Andrew Harris cause you, you never liked him. And I mean, a lot of people are coming to your side down, Mike. So you're ahead of the curve on that one, but 
no one questioned his like abilities on the football field. Everyone's just disappointed and taking him to task for getting caught using, for lack of a better word, using steroids and, and using a performance enhancer to, to mm-hmm. maintain his abilities on the football field as he advances in age. And to me, this is still a news story because Andrew Harris proclaimed his innocence so adamantly during that press conference when he accepted his suspension and said, I'm going to get the supplements tested. I'm going to prove that they were tainted and all that other sorts of stuff. Are we going to get that information? Like I had people tell me that, oh, well, he doesn't have to provide that information. He never said he would tell anybody if if the, it came back. This is a guy who's trying to clear his name and he's going to withhold the thing that would completely exonerate him. You know what I mean? Like it's – that's – like patently ridiculous, but this idea, and I'm curious as to how you feel about this, this idea that his performance in the Grey Cup a few Sundays ago washes all of this controversy away, to me, is ludicrous. What about you? Yeah, they're, they're two separate issues completely. I mean, yeah, yeah he performed well in the Grey Cup game. Good for him. Uh, still doesn't change the fact that he tested positive for some type of steroids that he, you know, denied, 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 and said he was going to you know, prove his innocence, and he never did, like you said. And um, yeah, his career's got a little bit of an asterisk. I mean, he accomplished what he accomplished. We don't know how long he's been on the juice, uh, allegedly. Um, you know, we don't know any of that stuff. So I, just because Mike, he had a, I don't know if we mm. need to say allegedly. He got. Uh, he, I was just trying to be lean on the safety side. That's and, fair, you know. and I understand that, but. Until he provides us with evidence that this was a false positive or that his supplements was tainted, he got he took a drug test, failed, and was suspended. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's any alleged here. I I, I don't feel like we, we have to – like I understand where you're coming from because like – I mean we might maybe we'll get sued. I doubt it. Like, I, what do you want to sue us for? Nothing? Like, we, nothing yeah, like yeah. We don't have, I don't have much over here, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. You want, you want my Darrell Walker bobblehead that I got when I went to, yeah. to an Argos game? Like I guess you can have that. But other than that, I ain't got, I got much you can take. But I don't think this is alleged. It's not like – this isn't – to me, this isn't Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens who never got caught, and we just assume that they did it. Dude got busted. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, if he just would have came out and said, yeah, I made a mistake, I, you know, I took these yes. you know, supplements or I took the steroids because, you know, blah, 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 then it would have been easier to forgive him, but – he does what every athlete that's ever been caught does and, you know, denies it. And uh, he's been denying it for a long time now. So I don't think that you can call the people that have criticized you for cheating haters. Um, I think he's a bit off base on that. And I think he's been acting a bit of a fool. I would. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. They're not haters. They're truth tellers. You mm-hmm. you got busted, man. And. Look, I, I know that in the lead up to the Grey Cup, there was I think Steve Simmons wrote an article saying like Andrew Harris shouldn't be allowed to play in the playoffs, and if it was Major League Baseball, he wouldn't. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily the right like he got suspended. I, I'm I'm a big believer in you did the crime, you served your you served your punishment, we kind of let it go. But the reason yeah. that Harris and and you're right, if Harris would have just come out and said, you know what, it was a mistake, I got caught, I'm 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 going to be better in the future. This we're not talking about this. In that he was suspended in like what was it? He missed the two games against Saskatchewan at the beginning of September. So he was caught in like August. It's it's two weeks to Christmas. We would not be talking about this 
even if they, they everything else the same happened. He gets suspended. He gets popped. He gets suspended. He comes back. They run rough shot over the Tiger Cats in the Grey Cup. Andrew Harris gets all these superlatives thrown at him. We're not talking about this if he wasn't so persistent in saying he did nothing wrong. If he would have said nothing, this goes away. But he had to have this massive press conference, claim that he's going to clear his name. And that's to me why this is still an outstanding news story. Some people are saying, oh, it's old news. Stop talking about it. Until we get proof that he's had the supplements tested, they've come back positive for being tainted, and we know for certain that he didn't do anything with it or they're not different. You know what I mean? Like at this point, I feel like we've gone so far that we all kind of know the truth and we're, we just, we don't need it confirmed. I think we all know that he got caught because he did it, not because his supplements were tainted. Yeah. I, I just don't, uh, he has, he's not, you know, proving anything, you know, he's just being uh, cocky now and you know, rub it, kind of rub it in everyone's face that, yeah, you know, I got caught, but I shouldn't be, you know, excuse the word tainted in any way. His career shouldn't be tainted in any way. So I think it is, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. And I know there's, you know, we don't know. Maybe he was tested before in his career. You know, the athletes, the cheaters are always ahead of the testing. Um, so maybe he was avoiding this somehow for a long period of time. I don't, I have no idea. But uh, there's definitely an asterisk, like, beside his name when it comes to uh, at least the 2019 season. All right. I think we've got all of our residual Grey Cup anger out of us now. I think we could now get into off-season mode, as crazy as it sounds. As upset as we were about what happened the last Sunday of, of November, I think I can speak for the both of us and say we were equally as happy in the opposite direction when news broke that Tommy Condell, Jeff Reinbold, and what we learned today, Sean Burke, our co-general manager, are all coming back to the Hamilton Tire Cats. Condell turned down the opportunity to interview for the three vacant, the three then vacant head coaching positions. Jeff Reinbold opted to stay in Hamilton instead of heading to the XFL with June Jones. And Sean Burke decided to stay in Hamilton instead of keeping his name in the, uh, in the hat there, keeping his name in the ring for the Montreal Alouette's general manager position. All of this is good news. Now all we have left to find out is if Mark Washington will become the head coach of, uh, Edmonton, yeah, Edmonton's the last one that has a head coaching position. And maybe Mark Washington comes back. If not, we'll obviously have to do a show talking about who we can see replacing him as the team's defensive coordinator. But let's just talk about the positives right now. Condell, Reinbold, Berkey, all back. How happy did that make you? Extremely happy. Those those guys are three huge parts of this team and this franchise. Um, <clears throat> you know, Tommy Condell came in uh, last year last season uh, and did a tremendous job. You know, he was thrust into the job, right? Really close to the, the beginning of the season. And, you know, judging by, we watched this offense all season long. It was tremendous. Um, you know, Dan Evans came in and, and it didn't miss a beat. So this guy's the real deal. He, I, I think he will be a head coach in the future somewhere in the CFL, but I am extremely happy just, just starting off to get, Tommy Condell back with the Tiger Cats as the offensive coordinator. So June Jones left as the team's offensive coordinator on May 13th. 
And that's when Tommy Condell took the job. So that was a week-ish before training camp started. And all he did was lead the uh, the most prolific offense in the CFL that dealt with injuries to three major contributors in their number one quarterback, their number one running back, and their best slot receiver, their most sure-handed receiver in Luke Tasker. And this offense scored more points than anyone else in the CFL. They expertly navigated playing with a backup quarterback for two-thirds of the season and finished with the best record in the CFL. I mean, there's what, imagine what he can do now with a full off season to install his offense and get these guys going. Like it, to me, it's a, it's a major boost that Condell would turn down those opportunities to be a head coach there. I think a lot of it has to do with, this is just my personal opinion, uh, his ties to Southern Ontario. I think if the Argos job comes open, I think you would consider taking that. But I think outside of that, I don't, I don't really see him leaving Hamilton unless it is to become the head coach in Toronto or maybe somewhere closer to where he's from in the States. I know a lot of people are like, oh, this, this talks about the culture the Ticats have. And I think that might have something to do with it. I don't know if that necessarily has to do with it with Condell. But I think with Reinbold in particular, like he's been a football nomad bouncing between leagues, between teams. And I think this is, Hamilton's really the first place that he's really found a home. And he signed a two-year deal to stay with the Ticats. I think you see that you see Sean Burke who grew up in the Ticats organization. I think he started off as like the community relations guy or something and worked his way up to co general manager or co manager of football operations or whatever his official title is. He's essentially co general manager with Drew Alamang. I think some of that speaks to the stability of the Ticats organization. I think these guys know that they, they can be here for the long term because Let's be honest. If we're, if the Ticats go 6-12 and 12 next year and miss the playoffs, Orlando Steinhauer is not getting fired. So there's going to be no potential turmoil in the head coaching ranks. Like Orlando Steinhauer, with this one season, this 15-3 season, and making it to the Grey Cup, he's set in Hamilton until like for at least five years. Like Ken Austin parlayed two Grey Cup appearances, and he got a lot of, a lot of like slack for – like like they went what was it seven and eleven I think in 2016 and it took an 0 and eight start and after five years at the helm of the team for him to kind of be forced out the door I don't see the Ticats taking a huge step backwards even if like oh they finish 12 and six next year and they're second in the East or whatever it is I don't think like there's there's long term organizational stability to here and I think that that's what attracts these these coaches to stay is that they know that it's not like, could you imagine if you were someone who followed Devon Claybrooks to BC and after one year you're out? You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen in Hamilton. No, I, I don't think so. I think that these guys are coming back because obviously the organization is a, is a very good one and they have a chance to uh, be really competitive. They have a chance to get back to the Grey Cup next year. They have a chance to win the Grey Cup next year, depending on the players they bring back. And, you know, I just think that these guys want to be a part of it. Um, you know, you talk about Berkey, and he's been with the club since he originally joined the club in 2007. Has has had numerous roles, director of football administration, director of community relations that's and it. communication. That, I think that's where he started. Yeah, uh, I believe so as well. And, you know, he's, he's you know, rised up the ladder. He's, he's, he's done a great job with the Tiger Cats, and I, I'm really excited he's back. Ryan Bold's been 
um, a tremendous special teams coordinator. It seems like every year that he's been with the team. So the coverage is good. The, you know, the kickers perform well. The, the return game is, is, is very good. And he throws in some, some trick plays that we all love as well. So to get these three guys back is huge for, for the team. I think that it, it will make next year's transition very easy. Um, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll continue, you know, getting better and maybe we won't be 15 and three, but you know, maybe next year we get, uh, you know, like you said, 12 and six, 11 and seven, and we have a better result in a championship game, but, uh, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, but I, but I said at the end of the last episode, when you and I talked and we were kind of going through the season, I said, there's no reason to believe this team can't be, this, this is a great cup contender for me for the next five years at minimum. I don't think there's any reason for us as fans to not believe that the Cats going into the next five seasons are not a favorite. Maybe not the favorite, but a favorite to win the Grey Cup. There is no reason to believe that this organization, with what they dealt with this year, with the stability they have in the front office as well as on the sidelines, there's no reason to think this team can't put together a competitive team that can win double-digit games, 12-plus games every year for the next four or five years and compete for and potentially win multiple championships. I just... I don't see a reason to not think that. And until proven otherwise, I'm going to continue to think that. Yeah, it's, the future is bright for the Ticats right now. And um, Mark Washington, we'll talk about that in another episode. But he did a great job, too. And I'd like to like to have him back as well. Um, I'm sure if he gets an opportunity to be a head coach, he'll take it. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't come back, there's some there's some pretty good candidates out there as well. Yeah, one in particular that I mentioned that was the head coach in BC last year. If, if Mark Washington yeah. decides to take a promotion somewhere else, and more power to him if he does, won't hold it against him. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, old crooked cap Devon Claybrooks wearing that yes. wearing a, a tie cat's hat, not straight on the sidelines in, ha- in the hammer. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, let's talk free agency, Mike. The CFL released its list of pending free agents. Uh, I think it was a couple days after we recorded our live. It might have been before we recorded, but we decided just to focus on the Grey Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we get into like specifics here. Do you not think it's silly that in 2019 that we don't know player contract lengths? I know that this is a debate about we should know what they get paid and all other sorts of stuff. I don't care. I really don't care about that. That would just be for us to play fantasy GM. And if that information was available, I'm all for it. But what's the harm in us knowing how long guys are signed for? Like, it feels like completely anachronistic that we have this system where we go out of the Grey Cup. And we know a couple of guys that may be free agents, but we don't know everyone. And it just seems so silly that in the modern era that we're living in of sports, that this still needs to be a thing. I I think contract lengths should be made public. Again, like I said, dollar terms don't have to be. But there's no reason for us to not know that a guy signed a one, two, three, four, whatever year contract. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous to be honest. Um, you're not giving any way, you know, like the player, you know, how much the players make is kind of a personal thing um, because they're not making millions of dollars like in other um, pro sports leagues. But the length is, you know, it just just throws a bone here. I mean, it's not a big deal if we know the length of a contract. Uh, there's no personal information being revealed, you know, that would upset anyone. So I'm with you on this one, Josh. I, I just don't understand it. It's 
It's almost 2020 for for goodness sakes. And where do you stand on? Because this is obviously something the the free agent list for I think there's like 240 something players on combined on this list, and that obviously brings about the the one year contracts are killing the league and fans need stability in their players and blah 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 blah. I don't I don't believe that. I mean CFL ratings are pretty good, attendance is pretty good, merchandise like the CFL might be the healthiest it's ever been right now. I. I Where's the proof that one-year contracts are killing the league? Yeah, there isn't really much proof. I understand the gripe of, oh, I want, I want to buy a jersey, you know, with the player's name on it, and lat, you know, the, them be with the team more than a year. But, you know, this is just the way it is now. It makes, it makes the off season pretty damn exciting. Um, and a lot of those guys that you deem important on your team. Um, you know, if they're important enough, they'll find a way to bring them back to your team. So, yeah, there's a lot of free agents, uh, maybe a little bit too many. Um, you know, that's a lot, 200 and something you said. So that, that that's a lot of names. But um, I think it's better for the players this way because they want the freedom to go where they want to go if they want to, you know, look at the NFL. Um, I know the option year was brought back in the recent CBA, so – um, there's a lot of movement, but I, I think I'm in favor of it because it's it's just so much fun. It makes it more interesting in the offseason. There's something to talk about when it comes to the CFL. Well, and let's be honest. You can sign a five-year contract with anyone, but in football with no guarantees, they're all one-year deals. And, yeah. and players are hip to that, and they're going, okay, maybe I'll sign for two, but I know that I can be gone any second. Why wouldn't they try to maximize their earning – like – that's the thing I just don't get. I just if if this is if this means more money in the player's pocket because they can then negotiate. Like I don't I don't really see the problem. And and you're going to see a ton of names on these lists. And a lot of these guys are going to be signed back. Like there's the Ticats have 15 Grey Cup starters from from the most recent Grey Cup on the list of free agents. They're not losing 15 starters from last year. You know what I mean? Like. If 15 starters are up, that and people are always talking about salary cap, and again, because we don't know contract values, we don't know how much salary cap space they have. But I can tell you, if 15 guys that started in the Grey Cup are pending free agents, the Ticats are going to have money to spend. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's also some like big night, big time special team contributors, like guys like Mike Daly are on the list. Uh, Connor McGuff, like who's a who's a top draft pick, like Nick Shorthill, who's who's a who's a good special teams player, like, and some of these guys. A guy like Jamal Westerman, for example, who spent a year and a half here and played in maybe five or six games. He had a big money contract. He's probably not being brought back. A guy like Adrian Tracy, probably not coming back. Tyrell Sutton, no matter how much he signed for, he's a guy that's probably not coming back. Like, there, there's going to be – like, don't worry. Just because there's a long list of player names on here doesn't mean that the Ticats are going to lose every single one of these guys. Some of them, yes. Some of them are going to test the water. And they're going to get opportunities elsewhere. We saw it happen this past offseason with Larry Dean and Don Yunamba. Those are guys we wanted to see back in Hamilton. They go off and uh, sign bo- both of them, sign at Edmonton. So Hamilton brings in Justin Tuggle and Rico Murray. And the defense was better this year than it was last year. They get to the Grey Cup. They had the best season in franchise history. Like, yeah, you, you're going to lose fan favorites. You're going to lose some identifiable guys. But there's so many players out there to replace them. And the Ticats do such a great job with scouting. Mm-hmm. It, I, it, when I see a list like this, I, and we're going to talk about it in a second, some of the guys we want to stay, think we'll stay, and some of the guys we think will go. But, man, just with what the Ticats are able to do 
scouting-wise, it, it doesn't concern me when I see a bunch of names on here because a lot of these guys are names that you see and go, well, we never knew who they were before they came to Hamilton. So why, why am I going to be wary that they can't find someone else? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Donnie Namba and Larry Dean are tremendous linebackers and did a great, a great job in Edmonton um, this season. But they, the Tiger Cats just know talent. They've proven that over the years. And uh, I just totally agree with you that we will lose some players, but we will bring in some guys that will be stars um, next season and the season after that. So that's, it's just part of the game. You know, when you, if you're a general manager in the CFL, if you're a scout in the CFL, you know that there's going to be a lot of turnover and you have to sign back the key players on your team and then you have to let some guys go and you have to find other talent. It's just the way it is. For every veteran you pay, you have to find a rookie as well because you need a guy in the low end of the pay scale. Jalen Acklin was a guy none of us knew at this time last year. Turned into one of the Ticats' better receivers. I think he finished third, maybe fourth on the team in receiving. I think it was third behind Banks and Addison. Was the team's nominee for top rookie. Had a tremendous season. You can find guys. Uh, we didn't know who Braylon Addison or Brandon Banks were when they came to Hamilton, and look at them now. So there's always a way to find guys. So let's talk about let, – let's save the big three, the, what I'm calling the big three. We'll save that to the end. We'll have a discussion on those guys in a second. But let's talk about three guys. I decided – we decided on three guys that we want to see stay. So I, I we, we shared our list with each other so there wouldn't be any crossover. So my list is as followed, Mike. I got Tunde Adelike, Ted Laurent, and Riker Matthews. And my reason for this – for those, picking those three names, amongst the plethora of names that are on, I think there's 31 pending free agents on the Ticats list. Riker Matthews I want back, and I think we'll come back. Well, I think he comes back because if he plays in the CFL, I think he just wants to play in Hamilton. We heard that from him when he was cut by the Patriots, uh, shockingly cut by the Patriots last spring, that the first phone call he made was to Sean Burke and said, okay, I'm ready to come play football. What can you offer me? What can I get? Let's. I want to come back. So... Maybe he gets a shot in the NFL. I mean, I think he's got the talent to play in the NFL. But I think if he doesn't get a shot in the NFL, I think he's back in Hamilton. Uh, Tunde Adelike is the best Canadian defensive back in the CFL. And that's not a question. That's a period at the end of that sentence. I think he grew tremendously into his role this year. Uh, and I don't want to see him go anywhere else. I, I think the Ticats were the team that gave him the opportunity to start. I know he got some spot starts in Calgary, but the Ticats really gave him an opportunity to be the guy back there. And he's Canadian. And that is tough, 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 tough to replace. Even though they have Mike Daly still in the fold, although he's a pending free agent, um, I think I think it, we saw this year that Adelike just adds a, a different element out there. And and Ted Laurent is, is I mean, if the Ticats are going to win a Grey Cup in the next couple of years, I really want Ted Laurent to be on this team to do it. He is the straw that stirs that drink in the middle. How many guys have we seen rotate in and out beside him and just always be productive? Another Canadian player. And I think, as we all know in this league, you win with solid quarterback play and high-end Canadians and a good offensive line. And I, th I think I've covered the two of those three areas with the solid Canadians and the offensive line and the three guys that I think and want to come back the most out of the guys we see on the list. What about you, Mike? All right, me, uh, my three guys are Mike Filer. Um, you know, we talked about him kind of recently. You mentioned a story about uh, that Steve Milton wrote that the team, 
you know, thought that he should lose some weight. Um, he needed to make some improvements coming into the 2019 season. And I thought he did that in spades. I thought he had a tremendous year. Um, you know, he's been with the team his whole career. Uh, and I, for, for all those reasons, I think that he gets re-signed. He comes back. I think he wants to be with this team. Uh, Richard Leonard uh, had a down year, you know, in 2018. Uh, but came back and had a tremendous season this this year. Uh, I think he's going to want to come back, and I want him back in the secondary. Uh, I think he adds a lot to that defense. And uh, our boy Dylan Wynn, um, he came in, and he, he had 11 sacks, I believe, as a defensive tackle, which is a very high number for an inside uh, defensive lineman. Uh, I, believe, I believe he loves playing in Hamilton. I think he... He likes the culture. He likes the fans. He likes the podcast. Um, so for, <laughs> That's <laughs> for not a lie. That, that, that is not a lie. He is a listener. Yeah. We know that. And, yeah, for all those reasons, I think Dylan Wynn comes back as well. Those are three guys that I feel are hugely important to this team. So hopefully those uh, those guys will – well, uh, my prediction will come true, and they will be back with the Ticats next year. Yeah, hopefully all six of these guys are back. And let's mm-hmm. add in, you know, Braylon Addison, Jagarit Davis. Like, oh, yeah. We want a lot of them back, but we, we decided to limit ourselves to three, and these were the three we each picked. We decided to name two guys that we think will be on their way out of Tiger Town, and my two picks are a pair of Canadians. One is Connor McGuff, the former first-round pick of the Ticats in, I believe, 2017? If I'm not mistaken, uh, special teams ace never has never really had an opportunity to crack the starting lineup. I just think that he's going to get an opportunity. I don't know if it'll be an opportunity to start, but I think there's an opportunity to go back home to Calgary for him. And, and I think he takes it. And the second guy, I had high hopes for him this year, Mike. Mike Jones, I think uh, with what the Ticats have done at receiver in the draft, um, I don't think we ever see former number one overall pick Mark Chapman play up here, but they did draft a little known receiver, David Ungerer out of, I believe it's Idaho is where he played. They drafted him last year. I think you can give him a chance. He's, he's obviously on a rookie deal. Mike Jones would cost, I think a little bit more for a veteran player, but I, I, I think Mike Jones gets an opportunity to start somewhere else. Uh, I, I could see him landing in somewhere like Toronto or maybe even Ottawa who could use some Canadian help. Uh, but yeah, those Jones and McGuff are two guys. I I would be very surprised if they returned to Hamilton. Yeah, I could see Connor going back to Calgary. You know, a former Dino, right? He played yep. with the the Dinos. Yeah. Yep. Um, and my and um, Mike Jones is. I think he's ran his course in Hamilton. You know, he had one good, pretty good season. I think he had like seven hundred yards receiving. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of drops over the, the years, and that, that drop in the Grey Cup was uh, the last drop for me personally. Um, that was, you know, he had his chance to show what he had, and he didn't really show it. So I, I can see both those players moving on. My two guys are, uh, I love this guy. I really do. Riker Matthews, I think he gets another look in the NFL. But I agree with you. If he doesn't make it, then he will be back with the Tiger Cats. But, you know, I you know, I have no inside information. I haven't heard anything about him getting looks, but I just think he's a tremendous tackle, and maybe he'll be a second or third string guy in the NFL. Um, and my other my other pick is Mike Daly. You you know you talked about Adelike. He's a tremendous safety. He's Canadian. 
Um, Daly has been a great backup for him, and he's started over the years with the Thai Cats um, to mixed results. Um, but I just think that he could be a starter on another team, a Canadian safety on another team that he could make. He could make be making a little bit more money and be on, on the field a little bit more. So for those reasons, I, I got uh, Matthews and, and Mike Daly. I I agree with you. I think Daly could start somewhere else. But I just – there's something – maybe because he's a Mac guy that I think he, he would stay in Hamilton. Like obviously if he was – and like nothing's ever promised to you either, right? Like so it's not like he'd be – like, I mean, if they gave if you gave you the paycheck commiserate with the starting safety in in the league as a Canadian, then obviously you're going to get that opportunity. I don't know. For him, I see him coming back. I think I think there's a role for him here. I, he played. If if you go back and watch, especially the playoff games, he played a lot on the defense in in situations uh, in in both the East Final and the Grey Cup. So I, I could see him back, but I, I understand where you're coming from. If he if he's given the chance to start somewhere else, I mean, you have to take it. And and like, yeah. I know people like, especially if you go somewhere like Toronto or Ottawa, like teams that are rivals of the Thai Cats. But how how do you fault a guy for for trying to, for a making more money as a starting player and, and b getting the opportunity to play more football? Like you can't you can't really hate on that. No, absolutely not. Um, but you know, you never know. Maybe he he's he's happy with his role. He's happy with. Uh, living in Hamilton and uh, he comes back. But if he gets that opportunity, I, I can see it, especially in a place like maybe Toronto. I don't know. I don't know what their, you know, safety situation is. I'm not really up to date on their roster, but, but maybe, yeah, if it's, if it's closer, maybe he uh, takes that opportunity. Yeah. And uh, even though this is the last episode we'll do this year, hopefully by the time we get to talk next, there'll be a slew of player signings, re-signings that you and I can uh, sink our teeth into. And hopefully some of the names, on our list, we'll be back in black and gold next year. Let's move on to talking about some CFL stuff, and it's really just the the head coaches. Uh, obviously, there were three vacancies. Two of them we know have been filled. There was a potential vacancy in Montreal, but Kahari Jones is staying there. So we got Jones staying in Montreal on a three-year contract. We got Rick Campbell, formerly of the Ottawa Red Blacks, being named the head coach of the BC Lions. And just recently, it was what, Saturday, Sunday, that Paul LaPolice was named the head coach in Ottawa. Let's start with Kahari Jones. Just quickly, Mike, what do you think about that move? I personally like it. I think Jones did a hell of a job this year. I still don't think he should have been coach of the year. I think Orlando Steinhauer deserved that. But I think it's clear that these guys were were playing really well for Kahari. The only weird thing I find here is you sign a head coach before you have a GM. That's That could be awkward. Yeah, it's not uh, the traditional path now, is it? But uh, just with Kari Jones overall, I think that uh, bringing him back was the right decision for the Alouettes. The players are obviously uh, behind this coach. They want to play for him. I think it'll be good for the you know signing of free agents because he seems like a player's coach and, and uh, a damn good one at that. So that thumbs up to Montreal for, for making it happen and bringing him back. So this might be a little bit of a hot take. I think the BC Lions would have been better with Devon Claybrooks than Rick Campbell. I know Rick Campbell's won a Grey Cup. I know he's been to, what, three Grey Cups in the last five years with, with Ottawa. We discussed this when he stepped down, that his career record is not great. He, out of everybody, like everyone always talks about how crappy the East is and how, oh, terrible teams make the playoffs and, and host playoff games and all that other sorts of stuff. I don't think there's a better example of that than Rick Campbell. And 
if Devon Claybrooks gets the chance to be a head coach again in the CFL, I think he has more success than Rick Campbell does in BC. And that's not, I'm not trying to take a shot at Rick Campbell. I think he's a good coach, but I think his resume is a little bit overblown based on what he was able to, like they went to a great cup as an under 500 team and won it. And like, that's not like, that just, I don't know, man. That, that, that just, it's, it's weird to me when you see it an eight, nine and one team win a championship, but I know we've seen under 500 teams win championships in the CFL before, but I mean, it, it speaks to me that he got hot at the right time and mm-hmm. won a championship as opposed to they were really the, the best team. And, and I don't know, I, I'm trying to, I'm kind of hemming and hawing here because I don't want to make it seem like I'm slamming Campbell because I think he's a good coach, but I think this idea that he's going to be the difference maker in BC to get them from what was a, an underachieving team this year to a great team, I, I don't know. I don't kind of, I kind of don't buy it. Yeah, his record shows that he's not um... – He's a little bit overrated because of that uh, Grey Cup victory and because of the weak East over the years. Um, <clears throat> I'm with you. I think he's a good coach. I think they should have stuck with uh, Clay Brooks. He only got one year. Um, he's obviously a, a brilliant defensive coach, and I think he should have got the leeway to have a, another year to show what he has because, you know, it wasn't all on him, obviously, you know. Uh, I think he was a bit of a scapegoat for um, for Ed, Ed Herbie. Ed there. Yeah, yep, I yeah. agree. So, I agree. Um, uh, you know, I think I think he'll do all right. Uh, I think they will be improved. The BC Lions will be improved this season, but uh, I think they would have been improved with uh, this season with Clay Brooks at the helm as well. So he might do really well there, but maybe the credit shouldn't be all placed on him because of it. You know. Yeah, I, I'm. I will. I, I'll say it again because I'm standing by it. When Devon Claybrooks gets a second chance to be a head coach in the CFL, and I think he will at some point, he will. He will have. He will win a Grey Cup as a head coach before Rick Campbell wins another one. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, if he never well, gets, if he never gets a chance to be a head coach again, then obviously I'll be wrong. Right. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I'm not infatuated with Rick Campbell. Now, I think a lot of Ottawa's middling success you know three great cups is nothing to sneeze at but you know a couple of those were with less than stellar teams i think has a lot to do with the general manager and that's why i think as much as i like paul lapolis especially as an offensive play caller and i think that that's one of the things that he'll bring to ottawa that will be just immensely better than it was at this past season if marcel desjardins were in the ship there i don't think it matters who the head coach is i really don't and la police was sunk the last time with a shitty general manager and he's got an equally shitty one this time with desjardins in ottawa i i think this is i think this is the best i think la police is was the best free agent coach out there i don't think it's going to make a difference in ottawa until they figure out what to do with the general manager yeah, at the very least, it's going to take some time. I mean, that that team was not even close to good uh, last year. It was pretty embarrassing for that Ottawa franchise to take such a nosedive after being in the Grey Cup the year before. It's it's going to be tough for that police. There's not much to work with there. Um, they're going to have to have a tremendous uh, free agent, you know, off season. Uh, and you're right. I don't I don't have a tremendous amount of faith. In Marcel Desjardins as well. I think he he brought in some some big names. 
Um, they did okay in the regular season. They got hot. They won a Grey Cup. And, you know, other than that, it hasn't been great for for him over the years. He hasn't shown that he's a, a particularly great GM. You know, I just think that it's going to take a while. And I, they're going to have to have a lot of patience with Paul Apolise because, you know, if, if Marcel's around, you know, it, it could be a tough road ahead for sure. And, like, a lot's going to depend there, too, on what they do at the quarterback position. There's a lot of free agent quarterbacks out there. Mm-hmm. We heard the way that Trevor Harris left Ottawa, and it makes you wonder if they're going to have to throw way more money at a guy than they than they normally would. And we know that, that Desjardins is very – this is the, the cap that I'm paying. This is what we've heard, at least. He has, like, a ceiling of how high he'll pay someone. Is he willing to break that ceiling to bring in, say, a Jeremiah Mazzoli or to bring in uh, uh, Zach Caleros or Matt Nichols? You know what I mean? Like, is 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 he willing to go to the, you know, $600,000 range that he wasn't willing to do for Trevor Harris? Is he willing to do that for for a free agent quarterback? I, I don't know. And if, and if Ottawa doesn't have a quarterback, I don't think it matters who the head coach is. Yeah, he better be willing to do it because, you know, Dominic Davis and uh, Will Arndt um, isn't getting the job done. They, you need a, a quality quarterback in the CFL, and, you know, he should know that. Um, for him to be a GM of a CFL team and go into the season last year without, you know, a proven quarterback shows that he's not really great at his job now, is he? I mean, I've long been a, a non-believer in Marcel Desjardins. So, I mean, if, if they, if he, if they come into next year, rolling with two of the three quarterbacks that they had last year, there might be a mutiny in Ottawa amongst the fans. Yeah. And like, to be honest, I wouldn't blame them. I mean, no, not at all. I know. I know they've been spoiled since they've came back into the league, but you know, they deserve to be mad when there's this level of incompetence. So we skipped something, talking about the Ticats, that I just realized that we skipped. Um, so we might as well end the show talking Ticats news again. It's a it's a Ticats sandwich, I guess. Free agents, the th- big three, we didn't talk about them. Uh, Braylon Addison, Luke Tasker, Jeremiah Mazzoli. These are the kind of three wild cards, as far as I'm concerned, in this derby. When the Tommy Condell rumors were floated out there that he might take the head, like, oh, he's interviewing for these jobs, and... Ottawa was like the main team he was attached to. There's all this talk that Condell would go there and then he'd bring Mazzoli and Tasker with him, similar to Ron Lancaster coming to Hamilton in 1998 and bringing his quarterback and his most trusted receiver with him there too. We know that's not going to happen because Condell's not leaving Hamilton, but I still think it's, it's kind of up in the air as to whether Jeremiah Mazzoli and Luke Tasker are back. Uh, Mazzoli from, from what we, he said publicly and from what I've, you know, heard through the grapevine, he wants to come back. Uh, it's whether or not they can make the financials work and whether or not there's a belief that if he comes back, it'll be a competition for the starting quarterback job between him and Dane Evans. So will he accept that or will he test free agency and some team will go, here's $650,000 to be our starting quarterback and he'll take it. I wouldn't blame him if he did, but there is a, there is a belief out there that Mazzoli could be back and that he wants to be back. With Tasker, I find it interesting because he missed so much of the year and they still have Marcus Tucker under contract and he looked really good 
in replacing Luke Tasker. I would hate to see Luke Tasker go, but I think it's a legitimate possibility that he's played his last game as a Hamilton Tiger Cat. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You know, he came back from that injury and, uh, you know, he wasn't a huge part of the offense after that. Uh, He didn't make a huge contribution to uh, the playoff run or in the Grey Cup. So as much as it hurts me to say, maybe his time in Hamilton is over. What do you think about Mazzoli? What what, what are you thinking? Is he back or does he go somewhere else? Mazzoli's been fighting his whole career to be a starter. Um, you know, if it comes, if he has to go into the season and he's not, you know, with the Tiger Cats and it's another competition, not that I'm saying that he doesn't relish the competition because I believe he does, but I think he's deserved to be, you know, the number one guy going into camp. So I just think because of that factor and the money, um, I think Mazzoli moves on from Hamilton goes somewhere where he knows he's going to be the number one guy. I think if the Ticats had won the Grey Cup, I would have put it at a 100% chance that Jeremiah Mazzoli is playing somewhere else in 2020. But because they got beat in the manner that they did, I think that there's like a 25% chance that he's back next year. He says he's going to be ready for training camp, which means he's going to get the opportunity. If there is a competition, he's going to get the opportunity to go out there and, and actually compete for it, not have to wait until his body's healthy sometime into the season like Zach Caleros did. I, I don't know, man. I really could see him coming back. They, they got Dane Evans on a very team-friendly contract. I, I What I could see is Mazzoli inked to a two-year deal with a ton of incentives, playtime incentives, with a good base salary. And if he doesn't perform up to it, They roll with Dane Evans the year after and he becomes, you know what? Like it's just, I, if you would have asked me a month ago, whether I thought Mazzoli would be back, I would have said, absolutely not. Dane Evans has won this job, but because of that performance in the gray cup, I do wonder if if they're, I think, what what did we see this year? You need two quarterbacks in the CFL. Mm -hmm. No team, not one team got through the entire season with their starter playing all 18 games. Whether it was due, a lot of it was due to injury, but some of it was due to, like in Ottawa, it was just due to piss poor play. Same in Toronto. I don't, you need two quarterbacks in CFL now, so I could, I, I could see him back. Braylon Addison is interesting to me, though. I think, I think obviously he's taking a shot down south. I think we saw, I think it was Minnesota. Is yeah. he's either he either had a workout with Minnesota or he will have a workout with Minnesota, who have brought in CFL players in the past. Simone Lawrence was brought down there. I think after the 2013 season, uh, that Zilstra. Receiver, that's who I was thinking of the receiver from Edmonton, Brandon Zilstra. He was, I think he's now in Carolina, but he was brought in there. So it's not like the Vikings are opposed to bringing in CFL guys. I look at Addison and I think his size is an issue in the NFL. And then I say, but his versatility is such a huge asset that he could play uh, multiple, multiple positions. So, I mean, he's I, obviously he's getting an opportunity to work out for someone. I I think if he doesn't make it down south, I think he's back in Hamilton. I think because Hamilton's the first team that gave him an opportunity to show what he can do on a big stage, and obviously he produced. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if he's at least down in the NFL until at least the you know Labor Day and a training camp. Yeah, I could see him sticking around on a on a roster. Um, 
maybe on the practice squad or, or the a third string guy or something like that. Not that he's not good enough to be uh, a receiver in the NFL, because I think that, like you mentioned, his versatility, his route running is is elite. And uh, the only thing that could maybe hold him back was his is his size. Um, but I, I think he could fit on in on someone uh, a different team, maybe. You know, he reminds me of like a Patriots receiver or something like that. But uh, you know, a little bit undersized, but uh, can catch the ball very well. A very good route runner. Um, I think ultimately he will be back with the Tiger Cats. But yeah, I think he might stick around, maybe even a year down south, and then he comes back after the 2020 season. Well, I think of like, and this is—it's not meant as any disrespect to him, but like Deontay Spencer is playing in the NFL right now. And he's mostly as a kick and punt returner for the Denver Broncos, but he's playing every week in the NFL. And he's five. I'm looking at his numbers: five foot eight, 163 pounds. Braylon Addison's five nine, 197. So he's a bigger dude. Mm-hmm. And we know he can. We know he can play special teams. We know he can run the football. Like there's a team out there. Like I look at, and maybe this is you know because if he's going to go to the NFL, I'm kind of hoping it's in San Francisco. I look at the way the Niners kind of deploy their their receivers. Now, they have a ton of them. Don't get me wrong. They got Emmanuel Sanders. They got Debo Samuel. They got this, uh, Jalen Hearns, who's this kid on that they drafted this year. So they, they have some guys, Marquise Goodwin. So they, I know I'm throwing a lot of names at you they probably never heard of, but they've got a lot of good receivers down there. But they use – they do a lot of the wide receiver screens. They do a lot of um, like jet sweeps with their receivers. Like I think Braylon Addison's the kind of guy – who could really fit in in a receiving in an offense that would use him to his fullest capabilities? Like there are some NFL teams out there. I think of the like like the LA Rams, for example. Like the Niners are a team like that. Like they could use a guy like that to who can be multiple. And like that's what he kind of made his name for up here in the CFL. So if he gets an opportunity with one of those teams, I think he could have a pretty good NFL career. But if he goes to a team that's just going to use him strictly as, oh, you're our slot receiver, and you know what I mean? Like maybe it wouldn't – or we don't see you even as that. You're a, you're a punt returner. I don't know. Maybe maybe it doesn't work out for him. Like I, I think I've, we've both said this on the show numerous times. We hope everyone who gets an opportunity to, to make their NFL dream come true that it happens for them. Selfishly, we want them back in Hamilton, but for the player themselves, we, of course you want to see them succeed in the NFL, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's always that's the thing about being a CFL fan. You know, if, if they make it in the NFL, great. I'll follow along. I'll, I'll watch your career, like a guy like Eric Eric Harris. Yep. Who has kind of um, wears a badge of honor almost. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it's it's very cool to me. I even a guy like Doug Flutie back in the day. I was not a big Bills fan, but when he was you know the starting quarterback for the Bills, I cheered for him. So you always cheer for the CFL guys in the NFL. And and there's always the next guy coming up. You know what I mean? Like the next Braylon Addison is is out there somewhere playing college ball right now. Um, but if he comes back, then then that would be great as well. So either you know either way, whatever happens, I'll be happy. Yep, we didn't know who Braylon Addison was. As long as he doesn't come ago. back, as long as he doesn't come back and sign with the Argos, which I <laughs> highly doubt he will because they they gave up on him anyway. So. <laughs> Of course, we never want to see him go to a rival if he's if he goes to the NFL no. and comes back. Always got to come back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Mike. Um, so Merry Christmas to you, buddy. Because we're probably—I mean, I won't say probably—we're not doing another show until 2020, no matter what happens. Unless something like 
you know, Orlando Steinhauer resigns as head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. If that happens, then maybe we'll, you know, pick up the microphones and, and get back mm-hmm. in the booth before the new year rolls around. But since it won't, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Mike. You as well, my friend. It's uh, It's been another great year talking Ticats football with you. It's been, and I say this without reservation, it's been the best year for the show, I think, in the, and can you believe it, the five years we've done this? Yeah, that's, that's craziness to me. And just a shout out to uh, anybody who has uh, listened to the Podski Wee Wee podcast this year. Um, I think our future is bright as a podcast, and it's it's all thanks to the listeners out there. For sure, for sure. Without the listeners, we'd just be two idiots yelling into the void about Keith Urban in the booth mm-hmm. at Great Cup. Yeah. But no, yeah. definitely, like, Merry Christmas everyone out there. Happy New Year to everyone out there. Happy Holidays. Whatever you celebrate, I hope it's a great December for everyone, and uh, we'll see you in 2020. So that was Podski Wee for this week, for this season, for this year. I'm Josh Smith. And Mike Graham, eat them raw. Eat them raw. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.